Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Ilya, and I welcome you today to this episode with Jenna O'Donnell. And um, we have an interesting way that we have connected, um, but I really just want uh, Jenna to introduce herself first, so that way she can give a little background about herself, um, and then we can get into how we kind of came to being here. Thanks, Ilya. It's nice to see you. Um, so I am a mom of two children, one who is on the spectrum. He's 10 years old. And I have a seven-year-old daughter who is, as of yet, I like to say, neurotypical. Um, we reside here in Massachusetts. And I have one kiddo in the public school district, another one who is in the charter school district. And um, really found a little bit more about myself and I would say becoming a parent. Um, to Grayson, my oldest, and learning a lot about myself in this journey in discovering his diagnosis, and later on, just before turning forty, my own. Yeah, and and it's funny because we we met before that, um, so we met sort of just at the beginning of COVID, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was sort of by accident. I think I had gotten forwarded. Um, an email saying, I think this person's looking for you. And I was like, okay. And then we kind of kept missing each other on phone calls. And then we finally connect. And instead of it being just a like, yes, this is the right person and not, we spent, I think, an hour on the phone just chatting about being parents and kind of where you were at and uh, where your, your your son was at. And then just saying, yeah, I, th- I feel like we really need to work together. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember having that very strong feeling and that connection saying we really need to work together and not not knowing how that would kind of manifest at it, you mm-hmm. know, through that. Um, and I was confused with another person who we won't say because <laughs> she also is in a similar space. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was really cool to connect mm-hmm. with you in that way. Uh, and then, you know, we can get into, you know, that I ended up consulting with you and helping mm-hmm. you and your family. Um, or at least I hope I helped you and your family. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then in that journey, I know we just stayed in touch on and off. And mm-hmm. then you had told me that you were like, you know what, guess what I just found out? I mean, the big text saying, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I just got a diagnosis. And I was like, wow, what a what a journey, especially mm-hmm. just in these last couple of years. But I think, of course, the journey is always longer than that. Yes. Yeah, so um, I would say COVID, like for so many other aspects of everybody's life sort of exacerbated all the things that were lurking in the background, I like to say. Um, And so my son in his journey, I mean, I really remember asking the pediatrician very early on, like, he's different. 
He's different when he plays with kids. His energy is different. Um, and just constantly being told he's young and uh, maybe it's ADHD, but we won't really figure that out till he's around eight years old. And um, he's so verbal and they would point out all the wonderful things about him, which I left with guilt at these appointments because I would think, I'm not saying something's wrong with my child. I'm saying something's just different. And I was noticing that in playdates. So when COVID happened, um, it, it was almost like everything got exacerbated. His anxiety was worse. His moodiness was worse. Um, being able to focus on Zoom for school was near impossible. Um, and I just felt like the older he got each year, the more things were magnified. All the things that I had been calling out for nine solid years of um, you know, peer relationships and not getting invited to birthday parties and um, just differences amongst his peers, how he played, his imagination, the things that he was interested in. And I felt like when I finally reached you, um, I was starting to really think about what is this? Because we had ADHD, we had depression, we had anxiety, we had social pragmatic communication disorder. And I thought, there's just too much. And then as this goes on, you start to learn way too many acronyms that I couldn't keep straight. And I was thinking, I have to get to the bottom of this. This has to be something else. Um, and so I, I jumped to podcasts um, because I'm not really a Googler. I felt like like when you're pregnant, don't do it. Don't Google because all the scary <laughs> stuff comes up, you know? Right, and right. I didn't want to take quizzes. I really just wanted to learn more about um, disabilities and really figure out what was going on with him. Um, so when I heard your voice, I thought, this might not be the person I was trying to reach, but you sound so familiar. And when I realized who you were, I was like fangirling for a moment because <laughs> I had learned so much in a short period of time just by listening to your podcast. Um, and podcasts are really what I turned to, um, to begin to ask the right questions, I think. And that'd be one of the first things I tell a lot of families is that um, you have to learn how to ask the right questions. You mm -hmm. feel overwhelmed and you don't know where to begin. But when you start to ask the right questions, you start to steer in certain directions. And often it's the path that you need to go down um, to get the answers that you want. So yeah. I, I do think with, with you and I spoke um, beyond just your podcast, you said a few things in that phone call that made me say like, this is going to be the person that's going to help me ask those right questions with the school district to figure out, you know, how do we get his IEP back and um, to ask the pediatricians the right questions and the developmental PDs, all the specialists, the speech therapists that I had hired and the occupational therapists. So I was really grateful to meet you. Oh, thank you so much for the, the kind words. And I know, you know, in reviewing um, all of that documentation, which you had a ton of, mm -hmm. um, I think it, you know, and I don't think I probably didn't say this at the time, but I'm thinking about it now. You know, a lot of people out there in the rest of the world, right? We, we just talked about developmental pediatrician, all the different therapies, PT, OT, speech, right? We could go on. Mm -hmm. um, but you did all the things, right? Like we talk about that, that, and you had access and you were fortunate enough to be able to do those things. Um, and even with all that documentation, right? Hours, I know I spent several hours, mm -hmm. you've I, probably obsessed over looking at them and going, this is still not making sense. People aren't, people aren't just, aren't stringing the pearls. There's a lot of pearls laying out mm -hmm. on the table. <laughs> 
but someone hasn't taken the string and kind of put them together, which, you know, in some ways, I think that helps everyone understand the complexity that that we're dealing with here and mm-hmm. how for each person it's different. And what we really need to look at is what is what are these tests and what are all of these evaluations and what are what is the spit out of all of that? What is it telling us about the individual and how can we best serve that individual? And, um, you know, that's, as you know, that's kind of like how I approach those types of that type of work and that Mm -hmm. those types of conversations. But you yourself, even before I, you know, I I mean, we had talked about what kind of stuff you had done before that you're 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 an advocate. You're, you know, a very strong presence in your school district. you really have helped a lot of other families and mm-hmm. educators. And so you you were kind of doing all this stuff on your own and still having difficulty, right? So I want people out there to know, no matter how much you know or you think you know or how much paperwork you get, this is a very hard process and a very hard thing to do. Yeah, and I think I have to remind myself a lot of the time that on the hardest days, when I'm advocating for my son that, you know, I'm a parent and it can come across very mama bear. And I think the combination of having a lot of testing and actually having educators and physicians listen to me to have a voice as a parent. And I think that got lost along the way, um, those first nine years. And that was really frustrating for me because while I may not have an MD attached to my name or a PhD, I am his mom, you know, and I see everything outside of those one hour blocks of testing and um, outside of the sessions that he had conducted. I had really pertinent information that I felt was really just getting left behind. And it's one of the things that break my heart a little bit with getting a diagnosis for him at nine was what could have happened before? You know, what Mm -hmm. doors could have been opened? What would his friendships have been like? even though I was doing all that legwork, like you said, I mean, I was providing him services well before anybody told me it was something I needed to do. Um, I just wanted to help my son. And I I think that the school district wanted to also, but there's a bottom line, you know, it's still a business when it comes down to it. And there's lots of kids that need lots of help. And I think COVID exacerbated that, right? Because now there's lots of kids who are struggling. Um, to remote learn at the time. And there were kids who needed services, were in the middle of testing. And I think during COVID for me, it just became very obvious that the regressions were bigger than anything I could take on myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and and to have had an IEP removed felt so personal to me. I think a lot of parents get frustrated and you're upset as a parent. But because I was identifying things along this journey with Grayson that I very much related to. And I felt like I was saying a lot of things and people weren't hearing me. It was very personal to me. It was personal to have somebody say, while we see that your child is autistic, when he's here at school, he's not. It made no sense to me. You know, (laughs) I thought, well, what does that look like when he walks through the threshold of the doors? Is it like a poof, you know, and you can just see I couldn't grasp and I'm thinking but it is who he is it's how he's wired it's how he thinks you know and it was how I felt and how I thought myself and I was starting to really identify that but didn't have the wherewithal to 
work through that at the time because I was so focused on getting him what he needed and getting people to hear me. So having a fabulous advocate, having somebody like yourself to consult and look at that IEP and look at all that paperwork was extremely beneficial to me because it took out the emotion Mm -hmm. and it was the facts. And also both you and my advocate really validated the things that I saw right in front of me that were so obvious and to have people, you know, not fight back at that and say, you're right, let's talk about why this is relevant or, hey, I hear you, that's important, but that's not really going to be the thing that changes his world, you know, in, in the classroom. So that is what really prompted me to say, okay, hold on a second. I can have people on my team who can help me do this while also as a parent separating being a mom at times and being an advocate. And I think anybody who listens to these podcasts for those with disabilities, you know, as a parent, when you have a kid with disabilities, you're a parent, you're a doctor, you're a coach, you're a therapist, you're a friend, there's so many things. And as a woman and a wife, I think any woman relates to this, you feel like you're in a 1000 places to begin with. So it really magnified that also for me. Um, in COVID because there was nowhere to go. There were no outlets and we were all trapped under the same roof, <laughs> um, which really was not fun. <laughs> not right. And, time. <laughs> right. And we realized that those, you know, even I think we appreciated and valued the simple things that were taken, you know, kind of that we took for granted, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was that being able to run to, you know, a cafe to kind of mm-hmm. just sit or, you know, run out to the gym so that you could, you know, a yoga class or something mm-hmm. to kind of regroup yourself or just have some space. Those things were kind of lost. Um, I think we're slowly starting to get some of that back, mm-hmm. but maybe hopefully with a new appreciation <laughs> now that we're coming back with those things. But right. you said a few things in there that um, I kind of want to circle back to. One is um, first, just from a, from a, working with these types of situations, you know, you, you had a team, um, and I really loved, I mean, your advocate was great. She was talking about, you know, let's prioritize what we, what we, what we want to get out of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, realistically knowing what the school was able to provide and not be able to provide, or, you know, this is where we push. And I think it's a really, it's a really good strategy for thinking about it. You do get emotional. You do take it personally. Um, especially if you're resonating with, you know, oh, wow, I had similar struggles. And, you know, at least now I ha- I can be the voice and mm-hmm. help or try. Um, but then you need some people to kind of maybe be a little balanced to kind of say, okay, yes, I totally get what you're feeling. So there's definitely that, you know, uh, recognition of understanding where you're coming mm-hmm. from, but then also saying, okay, let's put this into logical terms and make it really specific. And, you know, let's break this down into smaller chunks. So I think that's something to really think about when we go into these types of meetings um, with schools, or even if we're, you know, beyond that with employment or transition, um, mm-hmm. you know, really breaking those things down and being as objective as we can. And sometimes we need support to do that. Um, but I, I find it interesting that you were noticing that you were getting you were it was feeling particularly personal for you not just as mom but also saying hey wait I think I feel I I, I know his struggle because I think I had similar struggles so I'm mm-hmm. I'm want to know more about how that you know how, how you kind of worked through that while also kind of helping to support your son in a very it was a difficult time these last couple of years for sure 
Yeah, and you know what? I think it's interesting because this goes back to that conversation of how does autism look? And, you know, you've met one autistic person, you've only met one autistic person. Then you throw in what it's like to be a male with autism and a female with autism. And I I found myself trying to have these conversations. Like in hindsight, looking back, I didn't realize what I was trying to say to my family members, to my therapist at the time. Um I was relating to the fact that he was struggling with friendships and that he would express in his own way how he felt different and just didn't fit in um, and yet was confident with who he was. You know, when I was younger, I was a figure skater and I stopped going to school full school day when I was 12 in sixth grade and figure skating became my world. It was everything. It's all I thought about, you know, and I would go to school four hours a day then I would go skate for four hours a day. In the summertime, I was training eight to 10 hours a day. And mm-hmm. people, when they would meet me, um, you know, I would be like in the local papers, I'd be in shows and you, you'd win a competition and you'd get press for it. And many adults would say to me, you know, do you feel like you're missing out on something? And I didn't mm-hmm. understand that because all I cared about was figure skating. And I just loved it. And when I would try to talk to my family about this and say, you know, I had no other interests. There was nothing else I cared about other than that. It was accepted because I was successful at it and because mm-hmm. it was figure skating. And when I think about my son, he's very, very interested in video games, particularly only one game, Fortnite, and how peculiar that was to other people. And I thought to myself, well, just because it's not something so common, because it's excessive, that's how people are viewing this. And so when I was voicing things to physicians and specialists and saying, I'm just concerned that we're overlooking really what this is, there was always an excuse. And that's what I started to realize with my own life. You know, everything became as a female when I would express something different about how I was feeling was it's just anxiety. But it never felt fitting when people would say that to me because I would think my anxiety looked so different than other people's anxiety that I saw and my ability to hyper-focus on things, which made me wildly successful in a lot of different areas in my life. But again, as a female, I was seen not as somebody who was, you know, obsessive compulsive. I was highly organized, you know, (laughs) and it was like these very nice ways of putting these quirks about myself. And I'm watching my son and thinking back, gosh, he used to line up lightning mcqueen cars and we had 20 of the same cars and i have lots of pictures of these things where i would be you know i'm stay at home and i would take pictures and go that's different you Mm -hmm. know but because he wasn't you know let's say toe walking and the the real things that doctors ask you those questions about on those surveys when you walk in the door it wasn't resonating with them that oh this could be something else you know and so i was really seeing in grayson the struggle with friendships. And it's something I've struggled with my whole entire life. And I was I was starting to see that it was just manifesting very different. And his anxiety really, he was anxious in school, but his anxiety really hit a tipping point in COVID. Um, you know, also with George Floyd, where he accidentally, um, I try not to have the news on around my kids and had seen a clip and was very troubled about why police officers would do this. And then you talk about a kid who had now been home for months and we put them in the car and we say, you know, just dad's going to go in the grocery store. We're going to wait in here. And now everybody has these giant masks on their face and 
Um, he hadn't seen anybody. It really became difficult for him. And I was noticing panic attacks and I'm thinking, okay, I know what this is like. You know, I, I struggle with this my whole life. Um, so it was seeing a lot of similarities, but in such different ways. And still to this day, even having the diagnosis now, I see it manifests so differently. And I think for myself, even like, how could things have been different? You know, yeah. I, I am 40. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I have very few quote unquote friends, very few people. I, I when I say that, I mean, who call me and ask me to spend time with them, to do things with them. You know, I'm, I tend to be, um, I joke like tech support, mm -hmm. even with my own family. Like mm -hmm. I question a lot of the times, like, do they really like me or do I just annoy them? You know, and I think that's often what Gray will say to me is he feels like he's annoying people or, or is he, is this why this is happening? And I relate very much to that even now as a 40 year old woman, you know? Mm -hmm. So those would be a lot of the things off the top of my head that, you know, when I met with my own neuropsych, I said, the, this is why I'm here. Like I need to explore this. I need to get to the bottom of this. And if it's not autism, then what is this? Because I'm unable to verbalize a lot of what I'm witnessing in my own child. And I want to understand myself. I want to feel better about who I am at this point in my life. Because like I said, I'm a stay at home mom. So there's no more going to jobs and getting promotions and bonuses and accolades, right? Mm -hmm. I take care of, of my kids each day and um, love what I do. But there's, there's this identity, loss of identity, and a change in feeling about who I am. And that became more and more apparent each year that passed by that I stayed home and didn't work outside of the home. Yeah, no, you, you've hit on so many different things that are mm -hmm. really interesting. Like I think um, the, the feeling of whether you're like, are you being annoying to people who right, love you and care about you? Um, or, you know, are you a burden or, um, you know, you just don't feel like you fit in with, you know, with the people around you, um, you know, and then coupled with this sort of collective, I'm going to use the term collective trauma we've have, have experienced over the mm -hmm. last two years that, you know, we forget about it, but all the things you just mentioned, right, and not being able to go into places that we love, not being able to see people that we would have loved or engage in hobbies and things that we really love, um, really have created a, a significant impact. And so I think that coupled with sort of um, the spectrum of, of autism, I'll, too, mm -hmm. I'll say it that way, right? That that, can, that has its own set of inherent um, kind of traumas that happen as you grow up, right? Like these little mini kind of experiences that build mm -hmm. up and build up. And as you move into adulthood, as a child, you learn different ways to navigate those. And I'm, I'm only just kind of spitting out what I've learned just in my mm -hmm. own therapy and with people that I've worked with. But you kind of learn these strategies and tools to navigate and you can be really good at it. And, you know, mm -hmm. you were mentioning Grace and walking into school, you know, there's there might be a threshold when he walks through the threshold of the school the mask goes on. And Absolutely. I think, right. And, and there's been some research that you know, women can be better at that. And, and also the sort of the interests, like you had skating, I had ballet. So, right. Like it was, um, 
those are normal interests. And mm -hmm. oh, look, look at how good they are at that. Let's just keep supporting that and keep nurturing. It. And no one's doing anything wrong in doing that, right? That's nope. parents are just trying to do the best that they can. Mm -hmm. um, but there were people outside of that, right, of your own little group saying, are you missing something? Are you feeling, you know, I used to get told I was a I was very uh, adult for my age, right? Yes. And, so, and yes. that, and I heard that with my son too. People saying, "Oh gosh, he's like a little professor," right? That was, or he's like a little man, and that would be uh -huh. his nickname. Um, and it, it resonated with me. It was like, well, no, I want, I want him to have a childhood too. Like, I want him to be a kid because, right, uh -huh. like that goes away. So, so all those types of things, I think we're really good at labeling them and and mm -hmm. or or praising you know oh you're really good at that skill that you have or you're really good at that talent or you're really good in that class and we just and that's good we really should definitely encourage mm -hmm. our strengths um but sometimes i think we miss uh we might be missing what we don't see if that makes sense yeah i think it's the i i told one of my physicians that i think it's a magnifying glass and i one of my one of the things that bothers me about IEPs and having all these people in, on his team at school is he's under a microscope all yeah. day long. And so people are looking for those things that are wrong. And because I didn't have a diagnosis as a child, nobody was doing that. And furthermore, adults loved me. You know, if you ask my husband, he'd say, oh, he, he'll say to me, baby, you're an acquired taste, you know, and I laugh about it. And it's true to me because... <laughs> Like, I really have this, this area where really young kids love me and really old people love me. But that in-between is really tough for me. Either you do like to be around me and chat with me or you just really don't like me. And I, I started to see this with Grayson where he really did well with adults. And it's not to say that he wasn't great around his friends, but he was different. You know, mm -hmm. and his ways of playing were different. His ways of thinking were different. And because he's so intelligent, um, Again, things get overlooked for him at times because they would say like, oh, but he can do this. That's great. And I want to acknowledge that he's wonderful at that. But the things that he's struggling with are critical, you know, from a foundation standpoint. And I think those were the pieces for me that um, I was happy to figure out, but also on a daily basis, I, I feel sad. I wonder if it weighs on him because so many people are watching him all day long. And I didn't have that, you know, right. so it, it's obviously a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And it's true. And I've had other people say that they feel like they're a science experiment or right, that mm -hmm. there's never a moment of downtime, which then sort of further adds to that masking because it's like, oh, they definitely want to see. I think I was talking to another mom, um, you know, they behave the way the person wants them to behave. So it seems like there's no issue or there aren't any difficulties. Um, and in some ways, right, we, we live in a society where we, we do have to sometimes put on our work face or our mom face or whatever, yeah. whatever that yeah. is. Um, and it's unfortunate because we've, we need to kind of integrate all of those pieces together and it, you know, kind of be like, no, this is all of me, and I bring all of me to the to the table here. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that is how sometimes people get 
get missed. And I'm, I'm wondering what, where did you, at, at what point did you decide? Cause I know we said we were going to kind of chat about that. At what point did uh -huh. you decide I'm going to go get evaluated? Like, and, and how was that process for you? Because I think some taking that step can be challenging for a lot of people. Um, uh -huh especially adults, there's the camp of, I need to know. The other camp is, well, I've gotten this far. <laughs> you know? Right, so. right. <laughs> no, I, you know what's interesting is both my kids have immune um, disorders and they needed genetic testing through Boston Children's Hospital. And it was in that testing that it came across that I am the carrier of an extra gene that while not currently one of the quote unquote, autistic genes that they look for. It's on the list for social pragmatic communication issues and considered for autism. And when I learned that I was the carrier, I thought, well, why not me, right? I'm, I'm combining all of these things that I, I was just really putting together everything that as a mom in this journey with Gray and thinking there are a lot of similarities. And when I brought this up to my family, to my husband, to some of my closest friends, you're not autistic. You're ridiculous. My therapist, who's known me for almost 20 years, was like, are you crazy? What are you talking about right now? You're overthinking this. And I just thought, well, then fine. Let me meet somebody and let them tell me that. Somebody who does this every single day that will be able to really explain it to me. And I, and I started to think it was funny, right? And you're talking about this mask because, again, especially as a female and as a figure skater. So if you've done ballet, I know you can relate to this. I, I had listened to another podcast and I thought, I did do a sport that taught me how to put on a mask all the time. When you are hurt, you do not take the day off. You tape it, you pad it, you do whatever. You're sick, you work through it. So that became really how I functioned my whole life. You know, I started this sport at six years old and um, it really parlayed into all the other areas that, you know, work, school, parenting, right? And it, we make jokes about this as a parent that we don't get to, to rest or anything or we're sick. But again, my ability to do something and what started to strike me to say, I want to look into this further is feeling a certain way and having people always say to me, like, you always have it together. You're so organized. And they're compliments, but I just didn't feel like what people were telling me they saw. And that felt really weird to me. I, I just felt like I was a fake or something. And I didn't, I didn't know how to really put all of it together. Um, so I took it upon myself to call uh, my new PCP, which bless her because we had only done a virtual during COVID um, and said, would you be willing to put a recommendation in for this? I, I just want to explore this. And she didn't ask any questions. She said, absolutely. If this is something you feel like you need to do, I'll support that. Um, and got the ball rolling and I got in relatively quick. And I did my neuropsychin. It was one of the hardest things I think I've ever done um, because I thought, how hard can this be? I've watched Grayson go through this testing <laughs> a zillion times. But um, I think I recognized that um, it's, it's different when it's yourself in the sense mm -hmm. that this person – sorry, do you want me to pause for a second to get, let this out? No. Okay. Oh. Um, so I – I think I realized in the testing with her, like she's asking me questions and she's looking for certain answers and I'm trying to make sure that I'm getting across to her what I, I don't know how to verbalize, you know, mm -hmm. and that it was very hard and it was so long. 
Grayson's testing was like, I don't know, two hours max. And they would always say, God, he's amazing. He pushed right through it. I was there for seven and a half hours. Wow. Yes. During COVID <laughs> with a, um, a mask, no mask breaks, no bathroom breaks. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'm just like Grace. I'm like, I just want to push through it. And I remember saying to her, I don't want to wait um, terribly long for this. Like, please don't make me wait. My birthday is at the end of this month. And I'm about to turn that big four zero. <laughs> and I've got to go into this and know who I am. I have to understand this better. And she was like, I can't make any guarantees, but I will certainly do my best, you know? And um, honestly, when we talked and she gave me the diagnosis, I felt such a sense of relief mm-hmm. that I've, I just, I still to this day have no idea how to explain it. It's like somebody took a weight off of me and it's like I, that gut feeling as a person, like I'm, I'm right. You know, this, mm-hmm. this is who I am. I, I wasn't off base on this. No different than I wasn't with Grayson. Right, right. Yeah, so I think when when thinking about your own diagnosis, right, how, and you said you're, you're basically the same person, right, when you went in <laughs> versus when you came out. Um, but how have you, how do you feel like you've changed your parenting or, or do you? Like, I don't, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um, well, first I think I give myself grace a little bit, which mm-hmm. to me is a real blessing. I know some people say like, oh, the older you get, the more you learn and you let the small things go and you just don't sweat the stuff that you did. But there were things innately about myself that I think I was so self-critical about simply because it was different, right? And when you are different, I don't think people love different you know, and I think it's, it's, it's something that obviously today in the world, there's so many discussions happening about this, right. But I think with myself, I just started to give myself grace and said, okay, how can you help yourself? Because as an adult getting autism at 40, it isn't like you can pick up the phone or jump on a website and get services. It's just not Mm -hmm. that easy. So I started to look at ways to learn more about the areas that I struggled in, like friendships, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to go through AANE and join book groups and join things that I didn't feel that pressure to put the mask on that I would necessarily in my own town. Um, and I think that was probably my first step. And I think in thinking about parenting, I it's it's really a hard thing because I think I do I'm gentler, um, and I've been gentler since he had his diagnosis because I had this expectation and I had to instead learn to meet him where he was and change my expectations to some degree to sort of say like this is where his abilities are at this moment because both my son and I are so I don't like to use this term but high functioning Mm -hmm. um I think that the expectations still are almost the same of a neurotypical person and I think that that's really something that I want to learn more about and I want to advocate more of because I think it's a struggle as a parent to him every day because I know he's capable of it, but he can't do it every day, you know, and drawing that line of really um, pushing him just enough. And I think that I had awesome parents who loved me and supported me unconditionally and wanted to give me the world. And that's no different than how I feel about my own kids. But I'm educated in a way about certain areas of uh, education, you know, what he needs in school, 
what he needs when he's not with me, if he's just playing sports, it affects all areas of our lives, you know, and I think I'm a better parent and I'm gentler than I am even with myself. And I think, again, that just goes with not knowing how to work on those areas that I want to with myself and to find that support. So I, I do go to therapy every Thursday. I found somebody who's neurodiverse, who has children who are on the spectrum. And um, I'm really grateful for her. I've never looked so forward to therapy than I have <laughs> really in this last mm -hmm. year because I've learned so much about myself from her. And I've learned so much about accepting who I am and understanding you said something earlier about past traumas, and I had not realized how much my own trauma with, you know, friendships, relationships, um, I got bullied a lot in school um, as a kid. And, and it was always like, well, you're a really great skater, and you're always in the paper, and people are jealous, and, you know, let it go. And it just never felt right to me, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm watching my own son deal with bullying and, and kids who aren't kind and trying to really learn about myself and my child, but separate that at the same time. I have to separate that trauma, but that trauma still impacts how I react to it and how I parent it. And so she's really helped give me skills to recognize it, but also really become a better parent and to take it for myself and learn how to transform that in a positive way. You know, how can I use this going forward? And um, it goes with the whole perspective thinking that I had not realized that I had lacked um, because I saw it just so black and white. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I recognized people did not like me or people stopped being friends or did things unkind, one of the things that stuck out to the neuropsych was, well, why? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Here I am at 40 and I have all these friendships that have come and gone and I don't even know why they've ever ended. I don't know why somebody just stopped talking to me or why somebody would ever ghost me. And that is very puzzling, you know, mm -hmm. and, and while it bothered me my whole life, nobody stopped to say like, hey, you should really know why that occurred, you know, but it's something that repeats itself if you don't know how to understand it and how to look at it, you know? And I think knowing those things are how I try to parent him and say, mom knows how you feel. You know, I went through this too and I know it's not easy. And I know a lot of parents say that to their kids and the kids think like, oh my God, you just don't get it. And I'm sure <laughs> right. he's thinking it, you know? Mm -hmm. But I try to really personalize it and walk him through scenarios that have been so similar and to say, here's where I failed. This is where you can do better. This is how you can look at it. And that's been a real gift, I think, in my parenting. It's a gift for him and it's a gift for myself. Yeah, I think that's so key. Like, I think um, it's funny. I know I've heard people talk about kids, you know, when they push boundaries or when, you know, they're facing struggles and, you know, parents will say, I know, I know how it was when I was your age, or, mm -hmm. you know, I was a kid too, or whatever. Um, and we, we kind of tend to minimize that because we're, we've moved on to the, from that experience, or at least that's what I remember, you know, hearing when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do remember feeling, no, I really have to validate this experience a little bit more and share where I also had similar experiences. And, you know, I know, talking to people, even just like other topics as your kids become those teen years, you know, about drugs and alcohol and smoking and all mm -hmm. those things that, you know, 
it's one thing to say that maybe some of those things like, you know, smoking really isn't healthy for you or whatever, but, but then they see models out there doing all sorts of different things. Like if, if other family members or other people in the community, and it's a very confusing message. Mm -hmm. And unless, you know, you say, well, yeah, I have tried, you know, I did try it once and it, it wasn't my bag or yes, I did for a little bit, but then I realized it was, you know, I think they're looking for us to show our flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, because they'll find them anyway. Right, <laughs> so, right, you know, so true. Right, and then they're just gonna like put them up at you and say, but mm -hmm. wait, you said this and did this. Mm -hmm. um, so in some ways, I think it it's more of a learning, I think, where you can share what your experiences are mm -hmm. and be as truthful as you can, appropriate to their age. And then they can see you as human and that they don't have to fit this model, you know, where they're, mm -hmm. they're seeing their, we're, we try to be such good parents, and I'm mm -hmm. using quotes here, that <laughs> it almost feels unattainable, right? As as our kids get older, that's like, well, I will, I might not be able to do that. I might not right. be able to be that organized or that detail oriented, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't realize that in some ways, that's actually, we're just using that as a way to channel our anxiety or create control or order out of a world that feels really chaotic. And that's mm -hmm. not necessarily the same place at someone who is organized and is very efficient who doesn't come from the place of anxiety. It looks the same on the outside and the mm -hmm. world likes both of them. Um, but on the inside, that feeling is just very, uh, it's just w way more energy absorbing and way more exhausting than, um, than, you know, so, so they might look the same right on the outside, but mm -hmm. on the inside, there's a whole different set of things going on. Um, so I think that's a, it's a great, it's a great tool to use, not just, not just with kids, but with your mm -hmm. family, with other people. But, um, but yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the questions my therapist asked me, um, recently was when did you feel like yourself? When did you just not have to think about it? And it's so funny because I really thought back, like I went to boarding school for only two years. I went to public most of my life. And when I chose to give up skating at 15, which was not, did not make anybody happy but myself that I was making <laughs> that choice, um, I, I applied to boarding school on my own. Um, my parents, I was a straight A student. My parents were like, you don't need to go away. And my, I have a younger brother who went away starting um, in sixth grade. And I was so envious of this small knit community he had that we would go visit twice a week to watch him play his sports and um you know the relationship he had with his teachers was so great and i was so used to this set of teachers in my public school that really were like this is my paycheck i don't care if you come to class or not you know and i genuinely loved to learn and loved school and loved getting a's um but I applied to boarding school because i wanted that sense of community and belonging and i didn't felt feel like i belonged at my public school um, I went to a really small boarding school um, in Wolfboro, Brewster Academy. And when I've chatted with so many people from there, I, I tell them, you know, as an alumna, that it was a gift really to go somewhere and have the gift of trying to figure out who I was and being able to be that person and become who I wanted to be. And I don't mm -hmm. think there's any other space in my life where I was given that gift. So while I tell my parents, it was such a gift that you let me go away to school. They gave me something so much bigger than I'll ever be able to put into words because I was in a place where you weren't just tolerated. You were accepted for who you were, who you wanted to be. And there were 
all sorts of walks of life at that mm-hmm. school. Um, and I cannot think of another time um, in my life and in society that exists where I had that bubble, if you will. Um, and I, I wish so much to create that for my son. And I think when I fight and advocate for him, um, whether it's outside of school or, or for school, that resonates with me. It's like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I just want him to know this feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and I was able to go away to school and do that. I don't know if that's something that he'll be able to do, you know, and I don't know if it's something we'll be able to offer him, but I'm really grateful for at least knowing that I had these two solid years that really do bring me so much joy to look back upon because I really felt like myself and I I really got to just go to school and learn and be around a group of kids that wanted to learn. Uh, Brewster's unique too, because you sit at a table, a pod of four and each person has a different book and it's at your level, you know? Mm -hmm. And so while I may really, I might be great at history and have this AP like book. Then I go to math class and math wasn't my strong suit. And it was broken down saying, we're all learning the same information, but it's broken down to how I needed to learn. It was very individualized. Mm-hmm. It also just made me confident all day long. You know, I didn't go into math and go, oh, I'm going to bomb this. I thought mm-hmm. like, okay, I got I to gotta work a little harder here. But I had people who supported me. I had peers that weren't going to laugh at me if I made a mistake. And I had people that I just genuinely felt got me. You know, I, I loved community service. I loved giving back. I still do. And I was around people who really rallied around that. It was like, can I come with you on Sunday to the nursing home? Can I paint some fingernails with you? Like, what do you do? Why do you go and do this? But it was just something I loved. But people didn't, you know, oh, my God, you spend your Sundays doing that. I mean, I was 15 and 16 years old, you know. And then you had adults recognizing and be like, that's so kind of you, you know, and really championing who – I felt like I was inside and why that brought me joy. Um, And I think a lot about Gray with regards to this because he wants to make people happy, you know, and he had, since he was young, it would, he would give away toys all the time, Mm -hmm. anything to make people happy, Um, put on their favorite shows, bring out their favorite snacks, whatever he knew about that person that they loved. If somebody was coming over and they loved Pokemon, he'd take out all his Pokemon stuffed animals, all of his Pokemon cards. He just wants people to be happy. And those are the things that I don't want him to lose. You know, I want him to understand how to use that in a way where you don't need to give away things to make people like you. You can be who you are. But I, those are the pieces of him that I just don't ever want him to lose. And, and I feel like I, had, I did have this part of my life where I was able to explore that um, and, and feel the love around me, if you will. And I just hope that as the world opens up to neurodiversity, and that schools learn how to teach kids who are neurodiverse, you know, in an inclusion classroom, what that looks like, you know, and to, to help build that self-esteem and confidence um, so that you don't grow up resentful at the yeah. people around you in the world, you know, because this, this is life, you know, and not everyone is going to like us and not everyone's going to teach us the way that we need to be taught. Um, but my hope is with everything I've learned in this journey is to advocate in ways that challenge the ways that educators were taught, you know, Mm -hmm. and to understand this and to understand that it will forever evolve and we've got to be willing to evolve with it um, and care enough about the human race to Mm -hmm. want to help other people. Yeah. I mean, I think 
that's a beautiful way to kind of end because I think it's a really good summary of, you know, what I, what my sort of core beliefs are as I do this type of work. Um, and I think, you know, we're making slow steps towards that, but I think it's super important since school is the first place where, you know, other than family of origin um, or home of origin, I should say, um, that we should feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. And we should feel safe to explore who we are um, and navigate the world in a, like learn how to navigate the world. And again, I had a similar conversation yesterday, but as we move into adults, how does it prep us to be adults and mm -hmm. to be part of this world and part of society in our way, like as we all are as individuals. Um, and definitely, you know, home, school, those are like the key pieces. And I'm, uh, I'm, I know I have a couple teachers too that I'm pretty grateful to have had. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm glad you were able to have that experience. And part, part of that development, I wonder, isn't why, you know, you were able to kind of know that, that have that gut instinct that you trusted enough to kind of keep keep going and keep pursuing even though it was challenging. So mm -hmm. yeah, I I wish that for all of our kids <laughs> and, and all for all for all adults too, if you haven't quite yet felt that way, like to mm -hmm. find your tribe and find the the space where you can feel safe to be who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with me, Jenna. Hopefully we'll be able to chat more in the future. And, um, you know, if, uh, if anyone has any questions or would like to reach out, you can feel free to get in touch with me. Or is there some place that, Jenna, you would like people to find you? Um, you can email me. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, my social media is really about my photo albums for my kids because, <laughs> you know, we don't print pictures anymore. Right. Um, but I would true. say I'm I'm always open to conversations with people and I do give out my email address. So it is J L O'Donnell, O D O N N E L L at me.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching, and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com, and when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.